This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. Today's guest is somebody who I've personally been incredibly inspired by and who I've been following for a really long time. She is a mama of four little boys and a little girl. She is a wife. She is a somatics and nervous system coach who works a lot with trauma-informed practices, helping people find true freedom and embodiment in their body, in their life. Alexi Panos is in the house today. She's a master coach, an author, two-time author. I mean, this woman is absolutely incredible. The wisdom that she has just moves through her in the most incredible way. And I think that's what I find so inspiring about her is her ability to take concepts that may sometimes feel difficult or challenging. And she's just able to speak it out into the world in a way that lands. So I'm so excited for you to get to experience that today. If you're not already following her, go check her out on IG at Alexi, A-L-E-X-I, Panos, P-A-N-O-S. Today, we're going to talk about a wide variety of things, everything from her body image story, of course. And I love that with her story, she really has had a lot of confidence in her body. She's really felt really connected to her body. She doesn't have this wild eating disorder story like we often hear on the show. And I always get excited when I hear from women like this because it's a little bit more rare and I think we can learn so much from them. Now, while she didn't have an eating disorder and doesn't have this super disruptive body image story, she did get breast implants at one point in her early 20s when she was modeling. And so she talks a lot about that experience and about where she's at now as a 40-year-old mother. And so this is a really interesting part of our conversation. We talk about motherhood. She shares a beautiful practice to help everyone just feel more confident and more connected to their own body. We talk about Botox and aging and finding yourself in the different chapters of life. This is such a juicy conversation and I'm so thrilled to have you here joining us for it. So do me a favor, get yourself some water or a cup of tea or your coffee, take a couple deep breaths, elongating that exhale. Remember that long exhale is what tells our body that we are safe, that we are okay. Oftentimes we're breathing up into the chest. We have our tummies tightened because we were taught to walk around like that in life. But this really is this type of breathing into the chest and keeping our tummy pulled in. It's a stress response. So invitation to just soften the belly, take some deep breaths before we dive in. So happy to have you here. Alexi Panos, welcome to the freaking show. I'm so honored to have you here. 
Thank you. We were just talking uh, about the fact that you've moved from LA to Texas. Yes. And moved your beautiful family. Do you have, you have four boys? I have four kiddos all under my, – my eldest just turned six last week and then my twins go from three to four next week. It's so. wild. I watched you traveling around to the most insane locations with your gorgeous yes. husband and the two of you were just living this nomadic lifestyle. And then I blinked and all of a sudden you have four, four little kids and you've moved and you're just like in this completely different season of life. Yeah. I feel like that's how I look at my life. I'm, I blinked and then it's like, whoa, here we are. <laughs> and it's so wild because – I always have a belief that whatever we've been through is preparing us for what we're about to go through. And, you know, I've always had such a big life and I've always like had this insatiable curiosity and desire to experience it all. And of course, I'm the woman who's going to have four young kids all like a year and a half apart, uh, twins. There's a twin grouping in there. And it's like, yeah, let's just do it all real fast and experience the whole thing of parenthood. Like, let's go. Into but I the feel fire. so equipped for it. Yeah, yeah, I feel so equipped. Some days I don't, but most days I do. Well, I'm excited to talk to you today about that transition into motherhood, the transition from being a new mom into finding your footing a little bit more. I feel like you're back and I'm seeing you pop up everywhere on social. So I'm like, oh, she's out of the the Thunderdome, as they call it. And we're going to talk about your relationship with your body, growing up modeling, and then having a presence online. Uh, I mean, all of the different things. But before we dive in, can you just give us a little bit of background on who Alexi is in your own words? Above all, I am a human being having a very awesome experience on this planet. And again, as I said, I've been so insatiable ever since I was young to try and understand what it means to be human. And so from a very young age, I got into spirituality. I started studying world religions. I got into personal development. I went to my first Tony Robbins event at 16 years old. I did landmark education from 18 to 21, finished their whole curriculum. I was just like, give me all of it. I want to understand it. I want to understand how I work. And that led me into this love of philosophy and psychology and spirituality and the merging of all of these different arenas and eventually somatics and nervous system and our biology and how that plays a role in everything as well. And I had a very young career. My mom was a talent agent. So I got into modeling and acting at like as a baby, I was doing stuff. So I was in it from a very young age and kind of follow that track of entertainment. I I had a music contract at 15. I traveled the world on tour with a major label, basically from 18 to 21. I was on TV doing television hosting. So I had this like very expansive career in entertainment at a very young age, had a lot of success early on because I used a lot of these mindset tools from personal development of like, I can do and create anything I want. Like, what do I want to try? And so it's like, well, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try that. Had a production company where I was going all around the world, shooting these location videos for hotels and uh, tourism boards and doing hosting for them. And so I just wanted to like experience it all. I had started a nonprofit organization in Africa, which I still have. And throughout that whole journey, I had recognized that there was this constant through line of wanting to understand human dynamics. Mm -hmm. Like the whole thing, like it's like, I was so fascinated by my fascination of life that it's like, I want to understand it more. And so that was the through line. And I remember I hit like my Saturn return 
27 to 29. And I had already gone to life coaching school at NYU. They had a certification program for it at 25. And I was like, maybe I leave the entertainment industry and just go full in on this. Because I, I had some clients on the side. I was kind of like a closet coach. Mm-hmm. I was doing talks and things like that. And I was like, okay, I need a massive life haul. So I moved from New York, right? fully established my life to Los Angeles. And I was like, let's start all over. Wrote a couple books, did some programs, created workshops, met my husband, started doing all that with my husband. Um, and it's just been such a wild ride. Like it's a, a true, like amazing tap on the shoulder of like, this is what happens when you follow those little breadcrumbs of your spirit where it's like, go here, go here. And it like, it may not always make sense. And it didn't for me at all. But I was always willing to risk and see. And so here I am, and I've been a a life coach for 15 plus years. I've been in the industry as a student since I was, you know, 15. That was my first real big event. I'm now known in the space as a pretty well-known transformational leader. I lead workshops all over the world. I've written best-selling books and have a podcast and all the things. I do all the things, online courses, all the things. It's incredible. (laughs) And so well earned like you can tell the fascination that you have with discovering new parts of yourself and just as you said when we before we even hit record on this you are wherever your feet are and there's so much wisdom yes. to be gleaned in that way of living like when when you have become a mom you are so in it with that stage of life and uncovering what is there to discover and then sharing that wisdom with everyone else or even not even present. You're good as well at not presenting it necessarily as wisdom, but just sharing your truth. And then we're all able to learn so much from that. So it's really incredible. That's awesome. I mean, that's, that's my intention is like, let me just share what's alive for me as a, as a human, as a woman, as a mother. And I know it'll benefit people because I get so much benefit from people sharing their Mm -hmm. journey, you know? So it's like, I feel like that's how we learn as humans is from being truth tellers. You're so connected to your purpose and you said something that really landed, which is the constant thread in your life is this fascination with dynamics. That idea of there being this constant thread through the story of your life that connects you to your purpose. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that there's so many out there who are fascinated by this idea of what is my purpose? I haven't found my purpose yet. Where do I find that? How do I know? Am I just somebody who doesn't have one? And this idea of the thread is really cool. Yeah. So I believe that everybody has the same purpose and it's to evolve into the highest evolution of your seed, right? Like if you're a seed, there's a blueprint inside of you that has has all the information in it. And it just needs the right environments that are conducive for growth, expansion, and evolution for it to come into its full blossom. So the acorn becomes the oak tree, right? We are each our own version of the acorn. And so our only purpose is to become the oak tree. That is our purpose, is become the blueprint that is within the seed of you. And everybody's seed is different, but the purpose is the same. Now, I say one purpose, many missions. So within becoming an oak tree, there's going to be a stage where my only mission is to crack through the shell, right? Then there's going to be a stage where my only mission is to go deep into the darkness and like plant some roots. Then there's going to be a stage where my only mission is to use all this energy to shoot up out of the ground and break through the earth's surface. 
Then I'm going to go through a chapter where my only mission is to not die as this little seedling and survive animals, weather, and all other things in between. You know, it's like chapter, 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 chapter. And eventually I'm going to get to this chapter of my evolution where I'm this fully actualized oak tree where I am now giving back. I'm giving shade. I'm giving nutrients. I'm giving sustenance. I'm providing shelter. I'm I'm this beautiful thing that is an offering to the planet. And so one purpose, many missions. I believe my purpose is always to evolve into that oak, but the me- the through line and the thread for me has always been curiosity, like curiosity to understand this human journey. And so when people are struggling to find their, their mission, I would say, rather than purpose, is look at what has always fascinated you and continues to be the thing that you would wake up and do for free. Mm. Like I have a friend right now who's like, I have no idea what I want to do. I'm like, you're the guy who is a part of all the neighborhood committees. Like you're on all the apps for the neighborhood thing. You do that for free. I would not want to do that. Like you couldn't no. pay me to do that, right? And I'm running from like, the hills. <laughs> right. He's on the HOA board. Like yes. he, does, he just volunteers his time. Yes. I'm like, you love local politics. Like you love that. Like he's always loved that. And we we just kind of looked at the through line and the thread of his life. And I think as humans, like I look at my kids, right? It's a perfect case study. Four kids, all close in age, same nurture for the most part, right? Every yeah. kid has a different experience of parenting, but they're all their own person. And there are through lines that I already see. It's prevalent in each of them. You know, my oldest just turned six. My youngest is two and I can see it. It's clear as day. And so if I continue to nurture that as their parent and shepherd that gift, like my oldest, his is curiosity. He 100% is like, I need to understand it. So that can translate to art. It can translate to science. It can translate to animals. It can translate to humans. It can translate many missions. But the thread for him is I have to understand, which is my thread too, right? Like he totally takes after me in that way. So there's an opportunity for all of us to really get back to the basics of if I'm not influenced by social media, if I'm not influenced by who I think I'm supposed to be as a woman, as a man, as an entrepreneur, as a mother, as a whatever, like who am I actually at my core? Like what's the essence of my blueprint that is trying and attempting to be actualized? And then second question, am I setting up a conducive environment for that actualization to take place? Because every seed requires different environment and nurturing. And so we really need to understand ourselves in that way in order to live our full purpose on this planet. I love that. So maybe an action step for anyone who's listening right now. I know some of you are rolling your eyes like, we don't want an action step. But I know there's a few of you out there who are are ready to go. I love action steps, by (laughs) the way. Me too. Take a blank piece of paper and just think back in time to moments when you felt most alive, moments when you felt most in flow, maybe moments when you actually received feedback oh, you're really good at that. Oh, that's really, you're, it comes really naturally to you. Or maybe you're put in a position of leadership, whatever it is, like looking back at your life, different chapters, different key chapters, different core memories, and just start to jot them down and notice if there's a theme or a thread that is showing up. I love that. And another great thing too is, you know, some people have a hard time really seeing themselves and acknowledging themselves. So sometimes it's really great to ask people in our lives, that have known us through different chapters for feedback. Like, hey, what would you say is my unique thing? Like, 
or three of my unique things. And then go interview like five different people from five different stages of your life. Interview your parents or your siblings, friends that knew you in high school, friends that know you now. Like it's just really fascinating to become a scientist of yourself and take the pressure off of I have to become something. It's like, no, you already are the thing. You just have to get out of the way of how you've been in the way of your thing. Oh, I love that. I love that you just gave everyone permission to not have to try so hard to become the thing that you already are. You already were born as a specific seed. And whether you're going to grow as a rose or an oak tree or a freaking bramble, (laughs) sometimes we all feel like that, that it's already predetermined. (laughs) That's right. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. One thing that comes up a lot in the coaching sessions that I'm doing is this feeling of comparison, this feeling of I'm not enough, the feeling of I'm the weed and she's the rose, or I'm the weed and they're already an oak tree, or I'm a a seed and they're already an oak tree and I want to be the oak tree now. So I'm also loving this analogy to support in moments of feeling comparison or not enough. How do you deal with that? Do you even feel? Yeah, I think the first thing to really just do is humanize this. Like that's a very human emotion to look at somebody else and naturally compare because 
we're tribal beings, we're relational beings, and we want to feel like we fit in in order to feel safe, right? Like that's a that's like part of our genetic code. So I think first we have to stop making that wrong. I shouldn't be comparing. I shouldn't be looking at this person. I shouldn't. Do, it's like, well, we're naturally judging people all the time. We're naturally like we scroll through social media and we're making snap judgments. I like that. I don't like that. That's cool. That's not. I get it. I don't get it. Like we're just constantly we're judging people. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Like we're judging animals, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what I do for myself is whenever I catch myself in like a negative spiral of judgment, whether it's like, oh, they have something that I want or or I'm insufficient or whatever that might be, I always check in and go, okay, like where's there an invitation here for me? Ah, oh, okay, maybe I need to get into gratitude of like all the ways I show up. Maybe I'm actually not being really faithful to my gifts because I'm looking at somebody else's gifts and going, well, there, 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 there. And honestly, what it all comes down to for me is whenever I'm looking at somebody else and I'm in judgment, jealousy, comparison, I recognize like the through line of that is my light is not turned all the way on. I'm not in full celebration of myself. I am not in my full radiance. I am not fully like, yes, here I am. I'm so lit up with life. I'm so alive. I'm so charged. When I'm in that energy where my light is fully turned on, there's no judgment, no comparison, no jealousy because it's like, oh, there's enough for everybody. Like you're awesome. You're dope. You're dope. You're dope because it's a reflection of how I think I'm dope, right? So it's like, well, we can all be dope because you're dope and oh my God, yes, you're so beautiful. And so that for me has been the number one thing is like, turn your light on, girl. Where do you need to shine a little brighter? Where do you need to acknowledge yourself? Where do you need to step back into your power? Because for whatever reason, whether it's lack of sleep, poor nutritional things for the last few days, you know, stuff going on in in your marriage, like whatever, like for whatever reason, our light wavers on and off, on and off. So we have to be responsible for keeping our light turned on. And sometimes it takes more effort on certain days than it does on others. Yes. Okay. I'm going to get really raw and vulnerable. My body's already going into like shock mode over here. So I want to give everyone an example of what you just said. And a moment when this, when I worked through this myself. So here I am scrolling social media and the amazing Alexi Panos shows up on my feed. She is sharing a piece of wisdom and is so well-spoken and so beautiful and just like standing in her truth. And what that would bring up in me is not enough. I'm not enough. I could never do that. I couldn't say it that well. I couldn't speak that concept eloquently enough. And, oh, wow, this is like really bringing up a lot for me right now. So we have all had those moments when you're scrolling and when you see somebody and it brings up the insecurity in you of not enough, or for some people it might sound like judgment or whatever. And so what I started to do was ask myself, you know, what is this touching on? What is this bringing up? And for me, it's a, there's a lot of fear around showing up that vulnerably and going through the practice phase of sucking at communicating a message to begin with. Yes. Like knowing that I'm going to go on and I'm not going to say it as eloquently as I want to. My voice is going to shake a little bit. It's not going to flow as naturally. But I know I have to go through that awkward seedling phase in order to get to the oak tree phase, which is the phase that you're existing in right now. 
See, yeah, the trying other to, thing yes. I started looking at is in those moments of insecurity, judgment, or comparison is, okay, Alexi is my guiding light. Alexi is my oak tree. Alexi is a mentor. Alexi is not competition. She's not right. showing me that I'm not enough. She's a teacher. Study that. Like use yes. the interest that you have in what she's doing to inform you that there's something there that you want to grow into and then get to work. And it is such yeah. an empowering way to use social media, to use that insecurity or that comparison to actually help you grow and to move forward. Yeah. You mentioned something really powerful. First of all, thank you for sharing that. I really just want to acknowledge your vulnerability in that. That was beautiful. Thank you. And you mentioned something that I think is a key aspect where you said, get to work. I think a lot of people, and this is myself too, I can get stuck in this where I'll be scrolling. And if I scroll, and I don't scroll much anymore, but when I did, I would scroll and I'd get stuck in that loop of like, oh my gosh, look what they're doing. I'm so far behind. Oh, I took too many years off of social media with motherhood, blah, you know, whatever my story was. And if I just let that energy stay in that loop, it's going to continue to get bigger. But if I redirect that energy towards creation, now that energy is getting bigger in creation versus comparison. And so that piece of getting to work, it's a subtle piece and we say it and we're like, yeah, get to work on doing the thing. But no, actually, you have to take that energy out of the comparison spiral because oftentimes people get stuck there because they don't take that energy and like let it catapult them into this momentum creation. They sit and they let it catapult them all the way down to the rock bottom of worthiness and how I'm not good enough. And it just, we, we then continue to just see examples and proof of that. So taking that energy and making something of it is so key because everything that I've learned, like I was just thinking about this the other day, every single mentor I've had, whether they've known that they're a mentor for me or not, right? Like whether like they're just someone I've read their book or, you know, I, I was blessed to be at Richard Branson's Island. 10 plus years ago, I got invited to his island. And one of the things that I was so shocked by, because he was one of my like heroes. I love, I still love him. It's like, none of us know what the fuck we're doing. He literally said that in the hot tub because I asked him like, what one piece of advice would you give to entrepreneurs? He's like, none of us know what the fuck we're doing. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> you know, and it just like, it gave me so much permission to be like, Richard Branson said that? Like, I think above anything, he knows exactly what he's doing. And while he is calculated and while he is a genius and brilliant and intentional, like, we're all just taking a guess at this thing, right? But he's just got more reps in the game and more willingness to try things. And so that gave me so much permission from an early part of my journey in entrepreneurship to just try try this, try that. Oh, that didn't work. Okay. Try that now. And so I think we put too much pressure on everything being perfect because social media has this idea in our heads that like everything has to look curated and beautiful and match our feed and be perfectly well-spoken. Like I have so many videos where I'm like, I look back at it. I'm like, Oh, what, <laughs> what, what am I even saying there? You know, it doesn't even make sense, but I had to start somewhere, right? Yes. If you are born a seed, a rose seed, or you are born the seed of an oak, can you change that? Like how much control do you believe we have over our final destiny? 
Yeah, I don't I don't think like I look at again my kids. My one son is so sensitive. Like he's a sensitive being and it's a gift, right? And I'm going to cultivate that as a gift. Now, I don't think that's ever going to change. I actually think that that is his gift, but if he was born 20 years ago to different parents, that may have been a curse to them. And he would have grown up with a different identity based on how people held his seed. Mm-hmm. And so while I don't think we can change our inherent makeup, I do believe that we our makeup can be influenced, which can shift our identity. Now, our identity, we see this all the time, right? Especially in entrepreneurship, where we see people who are not that great at what they do, who don't have the training, and they are like out in the front of the world, like, I'm the best, follow me, pay for my course. And people look and go, what? How does that person have a $10 million business? Like, they don't even know what they're doing. I've met them. They're, they have no idea. Well, it's because they have an identity that they are that. And so identity actually trumps inherent selfhood, personhood, I think, mm. right? I think identity of my sensitive son, if he had an identity growing up as like, this is bad, I am sensitive, I am bad, that's going to create a whole different life than I am sensitive, this is a gift. Same blueprint, different identity, different life path. And so what's at the core of identity is our nervous system. Because if my nervous system feels okay to stand and I'm the best, I'm the greatest, even if I don't have the training, I don't have the experience and I'm just bullshitting, if I've trained my body to feel safe like that, if I had parents that celebrated everything I did, even if I got Fs, then I'm going to have a nervous system that feels okay to take up that much space. But if I, and this is mine, this is my story, if I had a nervous system that grew up in a household who got, I got 99% and my parents said, why'd you miss one? It's not good enough. I got to go harder. I got to do more. I got to be perfect. So my nervous system work has been to train my body to actually take up more space because it doesn't feel deserving if it's not perfect. And I think that's very relatable. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, nervous system and identity work, to me, like those two are the deepest type of work we can do because it informs how we actualize our, our blueprint. Like I can actualize so much faster when I have a body that feels safe. When that body that feels safe has an understanding that this is who I am and my identity is that of which I I do deserve this. I am worthy of this. It changes everything. It changes everything. And this is the basis of the work that I do with clients and supporting them and getting back into their body, which so many women have abandoned over time. And learning to regulate the nervous system, learning to feel safe in their body and who they are, to use their voice and to ask for what it is that they need or to set boundaries, all of these things. I'm so curious in your life, what are those tools that have felt most supportive to you in gaining confidence and regulating your nervous system and aligning mind, body, soul? Mm, I mean, there's so many. I would say, honestly, like the the greatest tool for me, which, you know, I was saying, like, I believe everything prepares us for what's coming. When I did my somatic training with one of my mentors, Scott, I did this nine-month program with him. And Scott is like very like masculine rigor. And it was like this rigorous program of like accessing 
dignity in the body and holding our bodies and expanding our bodies and building a nervous system and a body that can truly hold more of life. And in this training, we did one exercise in particular that we now teach in Bridge because Scott gave us permission to teach it. It literally puts your body in scenarios of stress and chaos. So it's like stress and chaos, stress and chaos. And you have to find your center, build out your, your dignity, which in somatic terms, we're speaking length and our depth of our body. So you just imagine like a bubble around me. It's my field. So my field is stronger when I'm in my somatic dignity. If I'm not in somatic dignity, my field is collapsed. So holding a field of dignity in chaos, and it's literally like it triggers the nervous system. So all these exercises trigger the nervous system. And it's meant to put you in a state of fight, flight, freeze, or repeats. And we just practice that again and again and again and again for nine months. I swear to you, that is the only reason I have not lost my cool as a mom to four littles. Because to me, it's like this practice. Like, how do I hold my field and my dignity while chaos is ensuing and everybody's screaming mommy at the same time? I've got to get on a phone call in five minutes. I'm running four different seven-figure companies. Like, that is my mind-body-spirit training because it's collecting all the aspects of my field and pulling it back into myself knowing that this energetic field that I am is connected in my spiritual belief to the field of everything, which if I'm connected to that, you can't stop me. I have unlimited energy. Like I don't sleep. I don't think I have slept like a full night, seven hours or more in over six years. And it's insane to think like, wow, how much more energized could I be if I had sleep? But I'm so energized by what I, f- I feel and believe I'm connected to, that it's not the human me that's doing my life. It's the human me that's doing my life in co-creation with the spirit me that's doing my life. And so when the human me finds myself collapsing in my field, I remember who I am and boom, connect back in with that dignity. Boom, connect back in with my source self. And it's like, okay, let's go. So- you can't see, but I can see that Alexi is actually changing the shape of her body as she's talking about this. So when she's saying collapsing in, actually try it with us now, but collapse your shoulders forward, let your spine roll over a little bit, let your eyes fall to the ground and just feel that experience in your body. And then when she's saying, uh, what was the word used? Somatic dignity. So dignity. I'll walk them through it. So let's do it, okay. right? So our length, our length, you're going to imagine a string from your head and a string from like the bottom of your butt and it's being pulled in both directions. So with my length, I really connect my head into spirit. I don't even make it a thread. I make it like a waterfall, right? It's like a waterfall from spirit just pouring through me. All that energy, all that information, all that abundance, all that everything, just boom. And lengthen your spine all the way down to your butt and feel the anchor of your animal on this earth. Now imagine our width. Our width is on the tip of your shoulders. You're going to imagine a string being pulled out to all sides of you, infinitely to the right, infinitely to the left, and just feel your energy field expand. And I literally think of like, I have like an infinite amount of women on one side and an infinite amount of men on another side. And it's like, these are my ancestors. Like these are the people I walk with. These are the people who have walked and traversed 
far worse than I have. And here I am on the shoulder of giants, right? Like that's literally how I think of my width. Now, my depth, you think of your heart and your back, and you're going to expand your energy out from your body on both sides. And you're going to create this sphere of energy all around you, like a big bubble that you're inside. And your depth, it's it's the thing that enters the room before you do. Like, you know, when you feel somebody enter a room and you're like, oh, who is that? And their energy just, boom, it like hits your field. And you're like, whoo, that is somebody's depth. It's an energetic thing as animals that we have forgotten how to cultivate intentionally and also feel and read intentionally. And so when I think of my depth, I literally think of all sides of me, all parts of me, human spirit, everything in between that wants to push out and touch the world and experience the world through me, but also have the world experience my energy as well. And so your depth also includes your boundaries. Your dignity has to have boundaries. And so I know when somebody enters my depth of field and it doesn't resonate, I'm a no. When somebody does, I'm a yes, but I've cultivated that practice and relationship with that field. All of this is a full body yes for me. And, (laughs) And I think that at some level... We often know when somebody's a no, but we'll question it. Yes. We'll wonder if we're the problem or not. So really carrying this exercise with you, I would love for anybody who's listening, even just once a day, if you have the awareness around expanding upon your dignity, imagine elongating the spine, imagine that waterfall flowing through you, imagine the sides of you moving outward and just taking up as much space as you can. I love this. I notice a change immediately. And I imagine my kids in those moments when you're totally flustered and you're pulled in a million different directions as a mom and you're overwhelmed and just even changing physically the shape of your body and finding your strength again, how impactful that is not only for you, but for the people around you. I can guarantee my kids would respond differently to me in that Oh, they can feel it. They're more in tune with the animal body than we are as adults. Because like you said, especially women, we have been disassociated from our bodies for so long, or we have been objectified and objectifying our bodies for so long that they no longer become a part of ourselves because they become this object that we have to fix. We have to contort. We have to make it look younger and better and firmer and bigger and smaller in all the right places. And so it's this object rather than an instrument of our being. And so we really, to get back in touch with our body is, in my opinion, the deepest spiritual practice we can do because it is the temple that we have been given to inhabit as a spirit. And so the spirit is inhabiting the temple called our human body. That is the most spiritual practice you can do is to get back in right relation with the house, the home, the temple that holds the spirit and allows the spirit to experience life itself on this planet. Because we are animals. At the end of the day, we are animals, we are animals, we are animals. And we think we're so smart because we have consciousness, but we're animals, (laughs) right? And we forget that our animal body have a sensorial, acute intelligence that we as humans have become so far removed from because we've relied too much on our consciousness. But the consciousness of our body is something that cannot be ignored. It is so wise.
What has your relationship with your body as the woman been like over the years? It's been crazy because like, again, I grew up in modeling. So I was around the neurosis that happens in the modeling industry from a young age. Like, and I was, I kind of grew up and self-labeled a tomboy. So I played sports. I was always an athlete. I never wanted to wear makeup. I never wanted to do my hair. I wore sweatpants all the time. And my mom was a talent agent. So I'd like go to these things and book these like big jobs with Disney or, you know, the department store or whatever. And they'd have to like put me in a chair and put makeup on me. I'm like, why are we putting makeup on? This is stupid. And I remember like revolting against it. And so I think because I had a relationship with it at a young age and didn't ever really quote unquote want it, but I didn't need it. Let's put it that way. I didn't need it to define me. I would always look at the whole like weight and beauty game as like this crazy thing that we're all just under this illusion of, right? Because remember, at a young age, I'm trying to understand why are we humans so crazy? Like, why do we do what we do? Yeah. And so I had all these older girls that mentored me over the years and so blessed that I got the right people to mentor me. Because I remember I had this one, this one, I think she was probably 17 at the time. I was like 11 or 12. And I just like shot up. I was a super skinny, lanky, awkward kid, but had the perfect quote unquote model look for the time, right? Super tall, super thin. And she goes, listen, they're going to tell you you're too much of this and too little of that and not enough of this. She's like, you're exactly what you need to be. Never change yourself for anyone. There's always a perfect client for you. Never change. And so I always remember that. And I remember the first time I got told it was when like I started hitting puberty and like my hips started coming in and I started getting curvier. And I remember this agent told me in Florida, you're going to have to lose two inches off your hips. And I'm like, two inches? I'm like, first of all, that's a lot. Like, how is that even humanly possible? Right. Second of all, I'm like, I'm an athlete. I play soccer. I need my muscles on my butt to score goals and to run. Like, absolutely not. And I remember he looked at me with disbelief that I wasn't like, okay, tell me how to do that. And that was the beginning of my journey of like, I will always honor where my body's at because that's where it's at. Like, and again, this comes back to human psychology. Suffering is when we resist what is. And the majority of us humans, myself included, when I find myself in a position of suffering, it's because I'm resisting what's here rather than going, okay, this is what's here. What do I want to do with it? Right? And so I had this beautiful relationship with my body. And then fast forward to 20 years old, I get my first taste of like, boom, darkness. I get sexually assaulted and raped at gunpoint. And it was such a shocking moment for me that I almost like, I, it was like I couldn't handle it and compartmentalized it in that moment, went back home, showered, went to work, didn't talk about it for six years didn't exist. That was the beginning of this whole disassociation with my body of like, my body's bad. It created this thing. It attracted this thing. Um, somebody wanted to use my body, so it must be bad. Like I created all of these unconscious stories that you know I didn't realize until much later that when my agent at 23, 24 was like, hey, you'd make a lot more money if we moved you from your natural B cup to a C cup. All the other girls have C cups and they've all got their breasts augmented. You should do it. I didn't even think twice. I was like, okay. Because I was so disconnected from my body. And so for me, it was like, sure, why not? 
And so I got my breasts augmented and I did make more money in modeling and television and all the things, but I hated them. And I remember feeling this like, this, oh, my own disassociation with that part is like, oh my gosh, this doesn't feel like me. And so, you know, people get their boobs done, they show them off. They're like constantly like wearing all the things. I'm like the opposite. And I still have them, right? I still have them because I've been wanting to get them out, but then I got pregnant and I've basically been pregnant or breastfeeding for six years. So it hasn't <laughs> been the right time. But I would hide them. I'd wear things that covered my, my chest line. Like I just always wanted to downplay them. I think what it is, is I just had such a love affair with like my small boobs. Like I loved my body. And then when that happened to me, it, it was like my body, I don't even want to go there. That feels like a lot. Yeah. And so I just pushed it over there, right? So when we get into these states of disassociation, especially when we have trauma, whether it's a big T trauma or a little T trauma or anything in between that scope, we make decisions about our body that isn't in the highest good for it. We don't look at our body as our temple. We look at it as an object. Okay, well, how do I transform my body, even through working out? Like there's a lot of friends even that I know that have exercise compulsions, that they do it because it's like that's how they can control their body. That's how they can disassociate from what's emotionally going on in their lives. And like we just have to get honest about like how do we treat our body? Is it in a way of love and devotion? Or is it in a way of trying to control and manipulate in order to gain control from the outside world? You know, for me, that's why I'm so excited to get these out whenever I do have the time and the space to be able to do it, because I feel like that's going to be a full circle moment for me of like, okay, my body's, it's back to mine. And so I'm so, I'm so excited to feel that feeling. I'm just excited to feel whole again in that way. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts for yourself personally on Botox, filler, like all of this stuff? Yeah, I, you know, I used to judge it a lot. And I just, again, it's like whenever I find myself in a negative spiral, judgment included, I go, okay, where's the invitation for me Mm. here? And what I know is that I don't know anybody's inner world. I don't know what they're going through. I don't know why they're getting things. And I used to have a story that I knew, like, oh, they're insecure. Oh, that must mean X, Y, and Z. They don't really love themselves, but they're a self-love teacher mm-hmm. getting Botox. Mm-hmm. You know, like I used to have all these fucking judgments about it. And I'm like, okay, slow your roll, Les. You don't know. <laughs> like, stop pretending like you know. Like, I remember I had a conversation with someone in my family who was young. I mean, she was under 20 and she was getting it for migraines. And I was like, oh. I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> you know, it's like, so I just had a couple of these experiences where like, you know, spirit was like, stop judging other people. Like you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. So just stop. Why don't you just take care of your own doorstep and let everybody else take care of theirs? And so my personal opinion is I would love to age as gracefully and naturally as possible. In saying that, I still dye my hair and I still put on makeup every once in a while you know, like, where's the line? I don't know. And I think I've, I've become a lot softer on that line. And I used to be real hard on it. And I think it's a very layered conversation. And only I can ever know my intention for myself. And that's my intention for myself is, you know, I want to do my best to show my daughter, what does it mean to fully embrace who you are and where you are? Because I do think there's this, and this is my, for me, not for anybody else, this is for me, but I do think there's this struggle against aging for women 
because we have objectified ourselves. And there's the part of me that's like, okay, I could play into that and quote unquote, win the game if I can stay youthful enough, right? Or I could not even fucking play the game. Like, what if I just age how I'm naturally supposed to age? And what if I can find beauty in that? And what if like there's beauty in the lines on our face? Like, what if the lines tell a story? You know, like I have big smile lines because I smile a lot and I laugh a lot. And like, I've lived a joyful life. Why do I want to get rid of that? You know, why do I want to look like frozen? I don't. Like, I love my expressive face and my expressive face is going to give me some lines and that's okay. (laughs) I love it. It feels like a breath of fresh air and it is so nuanced in where people are at in their journey with themselves. Yes. At the end of the day, I think for so many people, myself included, who has gotten Botox a few times, it comes down to – well, I'll just speak to my for myself. So for me, the first time I did it was as a mom and just looking mm. in the mirror and feeling so disconnected from my old self, from my previous self, Ugh. like feeling so God, tired, do I that. feeling like yes. – who am I anymore? <laughs> my body's changed. My days have changed. I'm sleep deprived. And as you said, it felt like a way of taking back control a little bit. Like if I, yeah, at least I sure. don't have this 11 between my eyes, maybe I'll feel better. <laughs> and of course, like it does feel a little better for a hot second. But at the end of the day, we're, we're making surface level changes at a time when there are massive inner changes taking place. Yeah. And yes. so- you know, I haven't had it done in a year now. And I love asking this question and hearing different perspectives because I am in this world of coaching on self-love and body image. And I feel so connected to my body, but the aging piece, there's still inner conflict there. And I think that there totally. ultimately are is for almost every woman who's aging. You, we can't escape it. Like there's still inner conflict for me. And that's the thing, like, even with my beliefs, I'm still, and I tell, I have this conversation with Preston all the time. I'll leave like a gathering with some of my friends who a lot of them have had work done. A lot of them look great, you know, it's subtle, but I know because they talk about it. And I'm like, oh, do you think I need to? And I'll get into just getting into the energy of that being an okay thing changes my energy. And again, like the somatic dignity, right? So when I'm not in my somatic dignity, I start to question, oh, do I need this to feel more full in my presence and in my field? Mm -hmm. But no, the truth is my light's just not turned all the way on. Motherhood is the biggest light dimmer and also light giver. (laughs) So when you said that, I'm like, girl, I know that. Like, I know that moment when you look in the mirror, you're like, ooh, I look so tired. Like I am tired, but I look tired, <laughs> you know? And it makes sense because we're such at this like crisis point of losing the maiden, especially your first kid. You're like, oh my God, my whole life as I knew it does not look the same. And like, who am I? And like, what is this? And how do I navigate this? But then also, yeah, our bodies completely changed. Our brains have changed. Like we can't even think the same. And so, of course, we're going to be grasping for straws of anything that can make us feel some aspect or level of control. And that's why I say I don't judge because, like, in the same aspect, like, I found other ways 
to have that sense of control, right? For me, it was like, I'd buy new clothes and like, okay, I'm going to buy new clothes and like do my hair and maybe even take a shower and wash it, you know, <laughs> like who knows? <laughs> maybe I'll get crazy. crazy over here. But like, it's those things where sometimes we need an external environmental influence to shift our internal identity. And yes, there's deep work to do. And sometimes we have to give ourselves the grace to go, and sometimes we need a little boost. Yeah. Sometimes we need a little support. And that's okay. Mm. You know, and again, I think especially those of us in the space of coaching and personal development, like it sounds like you're a lot like me. Like we can be so hard on ourselves. Like we don't do everything like perfect and buy the book and how we're supposed to be doing it. And then we judge ourselves, which means we judge other people, which is what I was doing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That we just have to give ourselves so much grace. Like we are fallible. We are human beings. We are still all searching for some level of safety inherently. Even if we've done all the work on finding safety in the self, we're constantly going to be seeking that safety from outside. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if we have a stronger internal compass of safety, it's easier to navigate the world and make decisions. And we're also human. Like I think back to, you know, the ancient Egyptians who I love, like I've been obsessed with Egypt since I was young. They used to put charcoal around their eyes to accentuate their eyes. Mm. And like they used to wear their own versions of jewelry. I go to I've been going to to East Africa since I've, you know, was 20 years old. There are tribes that we visit that elongate their necks with rings because that's considered beautiful. Beauty is such it's such a fine gray area to waltz in. And only we can ever know what our journey is to love ourselves. But I, you know, we also are, are animals that love aesthetic beauty. Like we love that. We're we're kind of obsessed with it. We definitely are. We're spending billions of dollars on it and we're very yeah. visual and there just is no right or wrong way. And it really does come Crazy. back to feeling deeply connected to that space, to being in, to standing in your dignity. I know when I get in the chair and injections are being put into my face, my nervous system is firing. I feel totally out of alignment. I don't feel like I'm standing in the truth of what feels right for me. It feels like I'm caving to beauty standards and a fear of aging. And I I'm also giving myself permission to navigate this time knowing that with awareness, with conversation, with one foot in front of the other, I will likely evolve as a human being and that it's part of the process that we're all going through this and there's no right way of doing it. But I know what feels in alignment. Massage feels in alignment. Acupuncture, facial acupuncture, facials, um, even a laser treatment. Fine with it, you know. Oh, girl, I've done lasers. Hell yeah. Yes, it's just yes. injecting something in. Immediate ugh, doesn't feel in alignment, and yet I've still done it. So. Thank you for sharing your perspective and for opening the door on this conversation. I know I started Raw Beauty Talks 10 plus years ago when I was in the depths of my body image struggles and just talking about it, just having dialogue about it can shift and change things so much. 
in and of itself. So much. And I love that you even brought this into the space because again, I think things like cosmetic procedures and fillers and Botox and all the things, it's such a hush-hush taboo thing because there's so much shame around it. It's like women are held to this impossible beauty standard where we're supposed to look photoshopped and flawless all the time. And yet we're not supposed to talk about all the people who are getting all these things done to look this way or getting their pictures retouched to look this Mm -hmm. way. And yet like having these conversations is like, I wish somebody had this conversation with me at 23 when I was just like, okay, because for me, I was in an environment where everybody had them done. I was one of two models at my agency who didn't have breast implants. You were in a completely different relationship with yourself and your body at that time that you could be put under, cut open, these implants injected into your body, which we had a a conversation prior to – a short conversation prior to jumping on and recording where you said now that just would feel so out of alignment for you now. Uh, Like I would never – and that's the thing. Like for me, it came up because I'm well overdue. You're supposed to get replaced, I think, every 10 years or yeah. something. Well overdue. And I'm like, I can't imagine going for surgery every 10 years. What am I, 60 going <laughs> under the knife? I just can't imagine it. But it's interesting because some people listening to this conversation right now will feel the same way that you did getting your breast augmentation at 23 about filler and Botox. Like it's just not a big deal. They just go and they get it done. And And I've got friends that are that. And that's why I say like to each their own. Because if it's not – but for you, like I love what you said. Like there's certain things like lasers, yes. Facials, yes. Injecting something into your body. That's a no for your your system. Mm -hmm. Like your field's a no for that. My field too, right? Like it would feel out of alignment. So we just have to know like what is our – everybody's system's different. And like who the hell are we to judge? Like – People do self-tanners, they dye their hair, they wear nail polish. Like there's so much toxins and everything we're putting on our bodies. Mm -hmm. And yet we're all, all of us who are judgy judgers of people who get Botox and things like that, like I was, it's like, oh, well, you're putting toxins in your body. It's like, well, bullshit. We're putting toxins on top of our body too. You know, it's like, it's all toxic, right? So it's like, (laughs) pick your poison, (laughs) right? Obviously this is a complicated topic, but- Where I've landed is that even when I'm making these decisions and trying to figure out whether they feel aligned or not aligned, that I can be gentle with myself, that I can still offer myself compassion and love in this state. So that sounds like, okay, you know, it's all right that you're making this decision right now. And of course you feel pressure in this area because look at the world that you're living in. Look at all the messages that you receive. Look at the messages that you received when you were really little. And so we're working through all of these things and we're figuring it out. And so that sort of inner dialogue and meeting myself where I'm at with kindness and compassion, that's the stage that I'm in right now. And maybe that feels good for somebody who's listening right now to hear as well, that you can offer yourself kindness and compassion, even when there are things that you're not sure if you like about yourself. Maybe it's the weight. Maybe it's the commitment to taking care of yourself. Maybe it's a decision that you're making. Maybe it's a job that you're in right now, a relationship that you're staying in longer than you know that you you maybe should. Can you meet yourself there in some of those darker corners with the same love and compassion 
that you would offer yourself if everything was going perfectly and as you imagined. And to me, that's what self-love is. Yes. Uh, Thank you so much for carving time out of your busy, full, beautiful life to share with us and to share your perspective and your wisdom and a piece of your story. Where can everybody find you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at Alexi Panos, A-L-E-X-I-P-A-N-O-S. Bridge experience and extreme leadership, if you can get there. We only do them a few times a year, but get there. They're amazing. They are the practice grounds for building that nervous system that can hold more of life. And it really is a sustainable change of your identity, which is so big. So if you like how that sounds and you want some of that action, come find us there. For any of you who want to learn how to coach and learn somatics and nervous system and trauma work, Elementum Coaching Institute, I've co-created that with Preston, my husband, and two of my other best friends who are longstanding coaches in the industry. And then for any women out there that want to turn on your light all the way and like magnify your radiance, awakenthemuse.com. It's all about feminine embodiment work. And it's really from the most grounded source, which is yourself. And so everybody's muse looks different and we love to awaken and cultivate that energy in each woman. So those are the places you can find me. I'm here for all of it. I was like, yes, I want that. Yes, I want that. And yes, I want that. In case you haven't figured it out from our conversation, whether you knew it or you didn't know it, you are a huge mentor to me, inspiration, guiding light. And yeah, I feel so lucky to have spent this time with you. And I hope our paths cross in the future in real life. Until then, sending you so much love, so much light, spreading that all the way out to everybody who's listening right now. Take whatever resonates leave the rest behind. One final thought, do the thread of your life exercise activity that we talked about at the beginning, because as you become clearer on your thread, on your innate gifts that you have, the more the body image stuff, the more the food thoughts, the more the lack of confidence, the lack of self-esteem starts to fall away. We're all here for a reason. You've got a reason too. So go out and live it. Thanks, Alexi. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Rob Talks community at Rob Talks, And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.